episode of MJ's Progress Not Perfection. This episode is a bonus episode. Steve was on the show earlier this week, and this is technically part one. We recorded this first, and the video got messed up, So, but the audio was still good, so I wanted to release it as a special. So here it is as a bonus episode for this week. This is... Part two, but technically is part one because we shot it first. But either way, enjoy the episode. So is sponsored by MJ's Progress Not Perfection Meeting Center Association. The name sounds familiar because it is where my podcast studio is held. We are in our meeting center where we do all these meetings for mental health and addiction. And since we can't get any of the local businesses to sponsor what we do here, I figure I'll sponsor the podcast. I can do this podcast anywhere. I can do this at home. I can do this in a closet somewhere. I can do this in a basement somewhere. It doesn't matter. All I need is somebody else to talk to about addiction and recovery, and I can do this podcast. What I can't do from anywhere is help people with their addiction and their mental health problems. You know, we've had a lot of amazing success stories that keep me so filled with gratitude that I do this. We're here all day long running meetings all day long because we want to help as many people as we can. And even when we help one, that's the biggest victory in the world. And that's how I feel right now. So if you can help out what we do here, then that would be amazing. You know, we do have a Venmo, we have a Cash App, we have a PayPal, we have an address you can send a check to. And, you know, all the money that gets donated goes towards rent, goes towards keeping the lights on. If you are a local business, if you're a national business, whatever, and you want to be a part of what we're doing, you know, you can reach out to me and we can talk about how you can Welcome be a sponsor. to the show, Steve. Thank you for having me. I appreciate you coming on. Dude, it's so random how, I, uh, how we met each other because we're in that group together on Facebook that has 75,000 people. And out of 75,000 people, neither of us posted something. We were just like, you know, fucking around in the comments section about like my higher power being Bill Mary. Yes. And then, and then, it, and then it turns out. <laughs> That you fucking live like three, five miles from where I grew up and did most of my using. Yeah. Like that's yeah, we so, used that's in the so same random. town. Yeah, that's probably so, at the same time. Probably in the, the same Walmart, the probably in the same parking lots. <laughs> Walmart. <laughs> <laughs> that Walmart parking that's lot in Audubon, Walmart. man. Yeah. They yeah. have cops sitting outside there all the time now because people are like us, you yeah. know? And that's yep. where I used to get my scripts all the time when I was doctor shopping. Is it, and, how is it around there now? Is it like still? I don't know if you have you have family in Washington Township. No, I mean I, I, I'm talking about the one in Audubon that I used to. Oh, yeah, but I have been to that Walmart too. You know how it is. Like if I don't know if you doctor shopped in your days, but I you, when you're doctor shopping, you're hopping pharmacies all over the place. You gotta like, and especially in 2012, 2013, when you wanted to like fill a script of um, Roxycodones, mm. you were some. There was one time my buddy and I drove down to Delaware to get a script filled. Because nobody else could fill our script that day. It was that was right around the time where they started putting the restrictions on on everything. Walgreens right? wouldn't even fill them anymore. Walmart really? was here and there. Target definitely wouldn't. It was CVS's yeah. and Walmart's are the only place we could really go to get them filled. And this wasn't even a big script. It was like a script of like 120 15s we were trying to fill, and yeah, we okay. still had to like drive to. I think it was Newark, I think. But yeah, it was <laughs> like. Yeah, go to get that filled. And it was like a Saturday, 8 o'clock at night. We're driving through the ghetto of Newark to this CVS to get this script filled. 
I was surprised they even told me on the phone they had him in stock because they usually wouldn't. Yeah, that's what know? I thought. Like, yeah, yeah, yeah. Did you ever go do like one of those trips down to Florida where you run to the pill mill and come back up? No, I I know people that did those trips and yeah, I bought I off see. the people that did those trips. You know, there was a dude in Belmar I used to always see and he used to do those trips. Yeah. Um, I used to doctor shop for him actually. You know, mm. I would get pills for him. It's tedious. We, yeah, because he would work out deals. You know, where he would pay for my doctor visit and give me most of the script and all that kind of shit. Yeah. So, but I actually talked to somebody recently on here that I met from Ohio, and her and her husband were driving 22 hours twice a week to Florida from Ohio for five years, bro. Twice a week. For five years. I mean, that's, that's got to be what? It's over 24 hours. 22 hours, hours straight. 22. 20, yeah, yep. so they even had to taking... rent an apartment at one point just to have an address down there, and they still didn't live down there because they had family in Ohio. That's, so, that's your whole week, pretty much. I mean, actually, if you think about it, it kind of works out to be about a work it's, week, but it's a full-time you're, you're job. traveling that whole time. So, like, you know, you're not having those weekday nights to, like, do your errands and things like that. Not that you're, like, running a whole lot of errands and you're doing shit like that. Bro, so. they, they were hauling <laughs> back, though, almost 2015s um, and 2030s and 1,500 bars each month. Yes, and so that, that pay, you could, that, that pays for it, you know. You could almost rent a fucking car each time and do it that way with how much that pays for it, you know. Yeah. But I knew a guy was, who, um, I'm sorry, go ahead. No, the drives were horrible down there, but great coming back. You know, and I relate it because me driving from like Lancaster to Township all the time, all oh, that two hour drive, like the drives there, I'd be in traffic on the Schuylkill, you know, throwing up bile in traffic just trying to get to my dude. But on the drive back, I'd have 430s in me cruising on the Schuylkill, you know? Yeah. <laughs> and so I got that completely. Did you ever have to do those drives? I never did. Actually, it's like you were, you were asking me about Camden. Uh, like I never, I, I did, I never did a lot of things that like, I guess like addicts do normally. Like I never really went to Camden to cop. I, well, like I never did. Um, I never actually overdosed. Um, Neither did never. I. So. Um, what was your drug of choice? Uh, opiates. Was it uh, John? We called yeah. we called them Johns. Johns. Then yeah. Johns. They had yeah. The, the I mean, booze, I, Johns. I just really just call them Johns. <laughs> yeah, that's everyone calls anything a John in Philly, but uh, you know anybody who did blues or Roxies or thirties, we called yeah. them Johns. Like yeah, that was what we. Blues around here are. Xanax. Yeah. Well, like the footballs, the footballs or whatever. But I guess yeah. like the you know, way you work up with that, eventually you don't even care about that. <laughs> so like. Yeah, exactly. By that time, those footballs mean nothing. And yeah, I never really got into Xanax either. So I, I, I did, unfortunately. You did? They, yeah, they, dude. I everything that I did bad was on Xanax. You know, if I was stealing really? something, it was because I was on Xanax. If the I was worst robbing shit somebody, I saw ever was, was on the blackout. I don't remember yep. it. Like no, none of that kitchen. Dude. Like I don't remember shit. Like whoa. nothing. I never got in trouble really on perks, on those thirties. I never yeah. got arrested once. Well, I got arrested once. <laughs> That's a lie. I was. They followed me from my dealer's house to my buddies, and they pulled me over in the school zone, and they tried to hit me with the school zone, but they found them on me. But they caught me with um, ten thirties. And I ended up getting it. I got sober after that. Not because of that, but eventually I got sober. Yeah. So when I had to go to court, I was nine months sober, and they dropped most of it anyway. That was the um, uh, same with me. Like, I had um, I, I had a, I, got, I called a felony for burglary. And it still took me, like, a little bit after that, um, maybe, like, another, uh, like, a year or so. And then for the, the first, like, six months, it was just kind of, like, me, like, kind of, like, introspect introspecting and like kind of like 
being like, all right, man, you got to figure this the fuck out. But I still wasn't figuring it out. Is that and John Ralphio saying the worst? Is that yes, John Ralph? Yes, it is. <laughs> That's one of my favorites. <laughs> okay. I'm sorry. I hated I saw John Ralphio like this, and I, I knew exactly to. what he was saying. <laughs> and, okay. So you're, you're felony burglary. Is that what I was watching, that Dodo story? Uh, so it's kind of, that's kind of like, uh, I think like, like a, my redemption, I think. Cause, um, I, I got the felony, the incident occurred in 2016 and then I was, I got my, I got convicted in 2017 and then, okay. um, uh, maybe it was probably like, um, like within a year, I don't, I don't really keep track of my dates or anything like that, but it was within like the year after that, um, I started to like think about like, like started to like, I guess, realize that I'm like, dude, like. Yeah, you're doing less drugs, but you're still being an asshole, you know? Yeah. And then, yeah. um, so then I started selling heroin. I never Obviously. touched heroin in my life. And then, <laughs> yeah. because I was on like a little break, because uh, I figured out like a way to like detox myself throughout a week. And then I'd be good for a couple of weeks. And then I'd just hop right back into it. So I was on a period where I wasn't doing perks. And um, I was, somebody hit me up and some people wanted some, they had some. I, angled it and then i made some money i was like oh shit like i can sell this and i'm not gonna do it and i'm like i'm a fucking idiot like <laughs> of course i'm gonna do it yeah <laughs> i'm the most curious person in the world As yeah you put something in front of me i'm gonna try it um yeah. and that only lasted six months thankfully and then um and then i just i don't know i kind of had like a moment of clarity one day and then um i just detoxed like i cold turkeyed it at home and that was a wrap and about um about a year about a year later, um, I was walking home. I was I was working at a brewery here in Philly, and I was um, walking home. And I had I was stopped at this bar uh, a couple days prior on my way home, and I forgot that I didn't have cash on me. So I wanted to go back and pay the bartender the five bucks or whatever it was. It was only like a beer. Mm. And um, so I stopped in, um, and there was this other guy there. It was just me, the bartender, and this other guy. It was like right before last call. And um, I figured have a citywide on there. So I started talking to this guy, and he was like this musician. He just got back from tour, and then we uh, we just sat there talking for like two hours. Went to the diner afterward, and then left the left the diner. And I'm walking back. I'm like it's literally like uh, it's a row of houses between the diner and the gas station. And I see this guy's door open, and I just closed it. And like it was like one of those things. Like I was. I didn't really think about it. I guess I was like, for a long time, I was like trying to embed it in my head, like, like to be um, conscious of like decisions that I make and not just like, you know, just go like, just my, I'm like impulsive, you know what I mean? Yeah. So you see um, a door open, you're like, that should be closed. I'm going to close it. Yeah. So I'm like, but like, you know, old me would would have probably thought really hard about robbing that house. You know what I mean? So I was sitting there like, I, I just, the only thing I thought about was seeing if like something was wrong. It was like three thirty in the morning. Now were you, know you clean? I mean? Were you sober? Yeah. Clean, sober, drinking? No. Yeah, I well, I mean, I drink and I still smoke yeah. weed too. Okay. Um, but beyond that, not really. Yeah, I did, and I use I, I use cannabis in my recovery. So. Yeah. Yeah. Um, I think I I love how like people are kind of, I think people are better free thinkers now, at least in this um, department with uh, addiction. You know what I yeah. mean? Yeah. People are a lot more open to it. Like I'm in a group called Hams on Facebook. It's um, harm reduction, abstinence, moderation, support. 
And I actually have the founder of the group. There's like 10,000 people in it. Ken Anderson um, on my show a few months ago. Um, he actually, he drinks once a week. He hasn't planned Intox Day yeah. once a week. He knows exactly what he's going to drink, how much he's going to drink, and what he's going to do, and responsibly does it. And we had a really compelling, really good, really good conversation. He's been in rehab a couple of times. He has master's degrees on master's degrees, which mm-hmm. tells me you're too smart for your own good, and AA is not going to work for you. You know, that's what happens is you that's find how I felt laid out. Yeah. Yeah, like I, I just felt like I couldn't connect with it. Like I just, I, I needed to see it from another angle. I feel like that's how I am with yeah. everything. But and yeah. I can connect with AA. To be honest with you, I go to AA yeah. meetings. I host AA meetings here, and I host yeah. NA meetings here too at my meeting center. Is there really a difference between the two? Or I mean, yeah, there is. Um, yeah. NA is a lot more strict. To be honest, when you go yeah. through the steps with NA, you have a, like a fucking workbook to do. You got to do homework. It is. Yeah. It takes people sometimes years to do NA steps. Um, and they're the same steps. The only difference is the word alcohol and drugs. That's the only difference. They're the same steps. The word alcohol is only written in the steps one time, and it's like the fourth word of, you know, the first step. It's, and yeah. that's not – everyone thinks the important part of step one is that you admit that you were an alcoholic. That's not. what The it's most just, important yeah. is the unmanageability part at the end. That's what's the most important part about step yeah, one. Yeah, the subject, the materials, uh, yeah. it's interchangeable. You know? Yeah, and I don't judge anyone's recovery. If somebody, you know, drinks here and there in their recovery and it works for them and it doesn't take them to their dr- drug of choice, more power to you. I know what unmanageability does with pills, yeah. you know, and yeah. I did drink here and there for nine months. You know, I, I haven't used a pill in three and a half years, and I started drinking again 13 months sober. And yeah. then I drank non-alcoholically, but here and there for nine months. And yeah. then I, I got hung over one day and it was um, leap day. I feel like shit. Like, and it, I, I said, fuck this, because my hangover medicine in the past was pills. You know, it was drink more or do pills. And that's what I thought. <laughs> yeah. And yeah, so when I woke up that Saturday morning, I had three choices when I had that hangover. I was like, well, I can drink or I can try to find pills somewhere. I don't know. Or I can just say, fuck it and quit and make my sober date leap day, because how often do you get a chance to make your sober date leap day? <laughs> you know, and I, I asked my wife, she used to have a problem with drinking and she slowed down. when We met because of my program and everything. And she was doing pretty good. She had a couple rough nights of blackouts. And um, but when I said that to her, like, hey, I think I want to quit again. Would you want? And she was, I'll quit with you. So we quit together and we both haven't had a drink since, um, you know, February 28th. 2020 then quarantine hit two weeks later it's like fuck so (laughs) (laughs) but you know we figured out we were both medical marijuana patients and we don't she smokes but she has ms she needs to smoke she has she gets these ms hugs where she gets all tight in her neck and her stomach like hypertension Um, yeah Yeah. and so she needs to smoke so that she can feel the relief right away i personally don't smoke Um, that's kind of stuff Specifically yeah, I, like that and any yeah. type of any type of uh like nerve um uh, issues. It's crazy. Like I saw this one documentary where this kid was a family in Oklahoma. I was on Vice and Dude, no, it Legend of Four Twenty. No, I think this was on Weed a Kid. I if I'm not you mistaken. Talking the, you talking about the kid that had epilepsy? Uh and they, they moved they, to Colorado. They sold everything and they bought an R V and then they okay, moved go ahead. to California or something, I think. Colorado. It, it might have been Colorado. Maybe it is the same story. The yeah. kid couldn't even talk. His epilepsy. He, had, was, he was having like 200 something seizures a, a day. day. Yeah. Like pretty much seizing all day long. And like then, I'm getting chills thinking about this kid. He was 11. He never even talked to his eight year old brother in their entire lives. They, like moved, to, they moved to Colorado 
And within two days of using the nasal spray of fucking CBD THC, he was able to have full conversations and stop season all day long. Yeah. Within two days. Two days. It's amazing. That's that's the same documentary that I watched where I found high sobriety. In that documentary, they talk about a rehab in L.A. called high sobriety, where you can use where you can use cannabis at the sober living. And they and they set you up with a cannabis doctor to change your relationship with it. And that's where I went because I was watching that same documentary on 420 of 2018, where I finally said for the first time in 10 years of using pills, holy shit, I would go to that rehab. And then the (laughs) next day I had one of those days, you know, I drove all the way to Jersey with my dog. We sat in a McDonald's parking lot for six hours waiting to see somebody. They bailed on me. And then somebody else said they could, but they would have cost me some if I got them for them. And then I ended up getting three. Did two right away because I'm withdrawing so bad. I'm on the peak. Hey, you hear that? Sorry, dump okay. truck. Hey, you're good. Okay, so I'm on the PA Turnpike, and I'm driving back, and it's like 8 o'clock at night, and I'm like, what the hell am I doing? I have 1.30. I just spent nine hours for 1.30, basically. <sighs> yeah. And I, I said, I can't keep doing this. And I Googled high sobriety, and thank fucking God that guy answered the phone at 5 o'clock on a Saturday. He talked to me for two hours. His name's wow. Justin. His name's Justin, and I'll never forget. He doesn't even work there anymore. I think he actually, from what I heard, I don't know how he's doing, but yeah, um, he helped me out without that phone call. Three days later, I was on a flight and haven't touched pills since. That's know? awesome. So yeah, I drank a little bit here and there, and yeah. you know, I use cannabis every, well, not every day, but I do use it, yeah. and I, I microdose. I take RSO capsules. I take yeah. my blood pressure medicine. I don't get high. You would never even know that I used it if I wasn't so like honest about it. Yeah, yeah. So, I feel like I feel like um, I feel like. Mm, Season smokers, for sure, are, are pretty much always like, you know, you're, you're not like you, you, you look at them, you wouldn't know the difference one way or another. You know what exactly. I mean? like, when you're using it as a medicine and not to just like, you know, I'm not trying to get baked yeah. on my couch and not move, you know, I didn't yeah. productive. Yeah. I, I call that, I have like a term for that. It's like, um, like I'm very conscious of like what drugs do and like I pay attention to them now and like, um, I'm kind of like invested in them in like another way now. Yeah. Days. Yeah. And like um, uh, the I'm sorry, I'm lost train of thought for a second. No, we're good. Keep going. Um, um you're you're invested. You you care about what the pills do to do to you then. You care about what weed does to you now. You care about what an, a drink does to you now. Like if you drink a beer or drink a liquor, what that does to your mind and what that. Does oh right, to I was talking about the cloudiness thing. Yeah. So um, so when I first started, sm- I started smoking weed 20 years ago. And yeah. when I first started smoking, um, I was smoking blunts. That's it. Just blunts yeah. all the time. And like, you Mids. know, <laughs> yeah, <laughs> some, some con buds. Yeah, some like, KB, yeah. Yeah, yeah. Uh, and I would just be smoking them all day long, like eight to the head. And that's like not including what I was smoking my buddies. And then like, yep. you know, you come to a point where like, um, like I feel like with, with any drug, it's like you, you do so much over a certain period of time. There's like residual so I guess you can call it half-life, but I think it's like uh, another step above half-life. It's like there's like a residual um, presence that like kind of stays in you. Um, and the longer you the longer you do it, I guess the longer that's going to it's going to be. But um, I think that every drug has like a, a different um, point for that. And weed for me was like. If I'm smoking like bl- even if just a couple blunts a day. I over a period of a couple months, I get to a point where uh, like I'm in the clouds 
That's what I call it. And like, you don't notice you're in the clouds until you're not in the clouds. Like, do you feel depressed all of a sudden? Well, like when you're when you're high on weed, right? Like you're you you for all like I mean, let's keep it real. Like you're pretty good. Like you're you're straight. Like you're you're pretty much how you are when you're sober, just yeah. on a slightly elevated level. Can um, you tell I've dosed today? No. Exactly. No. And yeah. um, we we're talking. We're having a full conversation. Actually, I, haven't, I haven't smoked today at all. Um, I, think <laughs> I, I still smoke every day. Yeah. But like I pretty much have like I I like I like the pens because like you can just kind of graze on them and you don't have to like you rip it when like you want to rip it. Yeah. yeah. You don't have to pack it like and clean it. Like I go to Target. Yeah. I saw this tweet. This guy said he's like I like like uh he's like twenty. He's like it's two thousand. He's like smoking weed. He's like he's like oh man. He's like I can't go outside there. He's like two thousand twenty. Oh, he's like, I guess I'll smoke this pen in Target. <laughs> this episode is sponsored by MJ's Progress Not Perfection Meeting Center Association. The name sounds familiar because it is where my podcast studio is held. We are in our meeting center where we do all these meetings for mental health and addiction. And since we can't get any of the local businesses to sponsor... What we do here, I figure I'll sponsor the podcast. I can do this podcast anywhere. I can do this at home. I can do this in a closet somewhere. I can do this in a basement somewhere. It doesn't matter. All I need is somebody else to talk to about addiction and recovery, and I can do this podcast. What I can't do from anywhere is help people with their addiction and their mental health problems. You know, we've had a lot of amazing success stories that keep me so filled with gratitude that I do this. We're here all day long running meetings all day long because we want to help as many people as we can. And even when we help one, that's the biggest victory in the world. And that's how I feel right now. So if you can help out what we do here, then that would be amazing. You know, we do have a Venmo, we have a Cash App, we have a PayPal, we have an address you can send a check to. And, you know, all the money that gets donated goes towards rent, goes towards keeping the lights on. If you are a local business, if you're a national business, whatever, and you want to be a part of what we're doing, you know, you can reach out to me and we can talk about how you can well, be like, responsible. It's true though, like, and, but like what I was saying about the clouds things, like, um, I, I will never smoke that much ever again. Like, yeah. and I, like, it's just, you don't, I don't think, I, I'm not thinking stupidly. I'm not doing dumb shit. I'm just not thinking at the level that I want to be at. Like, I'm not sharp. You know what I mean? Yep. I, I want to stay at least like I want to like, you know, we all have our voices, I guess. But like I still want to be like I still want to be sharp and I still want to be paying attention and be on my my P's and Q's, I guess. Now, um, so my other question is, when did you get started with 30s? Like, what was your introduction? If you've been smoking for 20 years? Yeah. Um, like because I've been smoking. How old are you? Because we have the same uh, friends. I turned 37 a week ago, actually. Okay, and I'm 35. Okay, that makes sense. So, yeah, back then, um, I went from, you know, I was drinking hard and then, you know, smoking in high school. Yeah. And I got into pills in two, and I, I can tell you when, October 2008 is when I first was like, all right, I'm in love like, with, the, with I these. I think it I'm might have been the same freaking time. That's crazy. I think it was the same time. <laughs> it was like. They always won I, the World Series, and I know I was ripped on 30s. That was. I, the night of the World Series, I know for a fact I was not ripped. Um, I think I, I think I started doing 30s like right after the Phillies won the World Series. Um, the parade uh, I was on 30s, but when they won, I was at Giuseppe's Bar in Mount Ephraim, and I was oh, on per- and I was on Perk Pens <laughs> that night. Okay. I was the bananas or whatever. We yeah, 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 yeah. 
And then I graduated shortly after that to the 30s because my dealer who used to hang around at Giuseppe's, he used to hang around at all the bars and you would go see him and then he ended up dying of cirrhosis um, because he drank all the day, all day long selling drugs. You know, that's what he did. And he didn't do drugs, he just just, just drank? He drank and sold them. That's it. You know, and I used to have to drive and see him in Camden all the time at this like biker bar in Camden and I'd be pulling up to this bar and I drive an unmarked cop car. Like, you know, <laughs> and I'm this one fucking white guys. dude. I'm this They're white dude. Brown pulling... picks on the mark. Is it like yeah. one of the, like the and even ones that still have Interceptor on the back and a big antenna <laughs> and all that shit. And I'm pulling up to this, like, biker bar in Camden, and, like, this dude's getting in my car to sell me pills and then get the fuck out again. Yeah, and, like, you know, everyone's watching me, you know. Did but, you like... buy that car specifically? No, it was. I... Nope. I, when I moved to North Water Carolina. Thing. No, I I moved to North Carolina for work, and I was I had to drive for work. I was doing plumbing, and okay. I was like scoping lines out, like people's. I was running a camera through people's main sewer line to see if they were broken and where they were broken, okay. and all that shit. And so I needed some a car to drive around in. And um, so my boss, he's an old country boy, an old retired cop that missed driving a cop car. So he had bought that car at auction and his wife told him he had to get rid of one of his cars because he had like four cars. So he sold me that car for like fifteen hundred bucks. And it had it had one hundred and forty thousand miles on it, but like almost a brand new engine and like four brand new tires. So I said, yeah, fuck it. And like, did you get pulled over? Like, oh, dude, I got arrested out of that car. Oh really? Oh, yeah, they the, pulled me over. Money. Theory that you could, that was like a good nah, you know, blend right in I, kind I, of thing. No, because then you have four tinted windows, and my ass was always out of state somewhere. I was driving uh, with PA tags in Jersey, so I have gotten away with like going ninety five past the trooper and him not pulling out. Yeah, you know that's happened yeah. a bunch of times in PA. You know where I was on the turnpike all those times. Actually, yeah. the last time I did bars, I was gonna say, I, how'd you get 95 on the PA turnpike? <laughs> I was gonna stuck in traffic on that. <laughs> no, but this is up in like you know where I live, up like Harrisburg. Oh yeah, not shit, like you know, not the part where you're thinking. Of. Yeah, I guess like where 422 switches over. Yeah, it's this like, is way down further. Actually, the craziest thing that happened to me on the turnpike was the last time I did Xanax, and I was driving from Mannheim. Mannheim is where the um the Renaissance Fair is. Um, okay, yeah. out there by Hershey. And that's where I was living was like two miles from the Renaissance Fair. And I was driving to, to township to pick up from my dude like usual. But I had bars still. And I ate a bar to take the withdrawals away. And then I made the mistake of eating another bar because I forgot about the first bar because, you know, you forget. <laughs> yeah. And I'm driving on the turnpike and I like made a mental note like, all right, my, my mile marker, whatever, my exit's in 30 miles. A minute later, I'm 30 miles past that exit. Wow completely blacked out for 60 miles That's scared like, going 90 miles per hour i came i came to going 90 and i was like well i'm not hit anything that's insane that's muscle like, memory i do that drive yeah. four times a week for, and this was two yeah. weeks before i went to rehab so like i had done this drive a lot you know yeah. I, I was doing that drive going to flyers games all the time like i saw yeah. i see the jersey which jersey is I was that? Gonna say. Uh, that's just that's a regular just a, no, no name. Yeah. it's just an old school genre yeah. in the 90s nice that's, that's got, what, yeah hat. This hat over on that shelf, I had it's there's all the names on it's like uh John LeClaire. I had the Lindros, I had the Lindros jersey of that color. So let me tell you about Lindros for a I second. was there the night he was inducted into um his number was whatever raised up in the in the Raptors. Yeah, yeah. I was in the second row. Uh, I'll put up the pictures in this episode right here. So but he, I was in the second row watching his number getting fucking retired. I I I <laughs> 
I'm still uh, I'm reserved to say anything positive about him um, getting into the Hall of Fame uh, or getting his number retired. Yeah, retired. Uh, both actually, but um, nobody was going to touch it anyway. He was like, yeah, like so. I had this this incident. I got this hat back there. It's got these like signatures on it, and my first AOL screen name was Lindros Boy eighty eight. Yeah, on AOL was it like 1992 it came out or whatever is that like you know, they gave you the yeah. sample the sample cd run that came in the mail yeah so i lindros boy 88 and i lived like two minutes from the skate zone so my mom used to take me over to practices and i wait outside for my favorite player eric lindros everybody came out i got i have tommy soderstrom's autograph but but eric lindros was nowhere to be found and then all of a sudden you see this black SUV pull out from behind the Coliseum because they were still at the Coliseum at that time. Yeah. Pulls out from behind the Coliseum, and I see this this the windows all the way down, almost as if he wanted every kid there to see him pass by. And Lindros just drives by every twelve year old. It was only eight of us, but like he drove so, past all eight twelve yeah. year olds, like and broke my freaking heart. So I don't <laughs> have Eric Lindros on that hat, and I. I am still salty about it. I'm not salty about it. No, I um, I'm waiting. I'm I'm supposed to have Riley Cote on the show. Really? Yeah. You know he's sober. Um, yeah, he actually yeah. he has a CBD company that he is all about. And you know uh, I reached out to Mike Richards because I know about he got arrested, you know, crossing oh, the yeah, border with all I those pills. I forgot about that. So I, totally I reached out to him. That. I'm hoping he gets back to me. But Riley Cote already answered me back, so I'm hoping to get him on. Richards is not still in the league, right? Uh, no, no, he's not. He's like, no. he's been he out does for podcasts and shit. He does podcasts he does? now. Yeah. Okay. Um, and what's great, you you like stand up. It seems you and I talked about it a little bit. Um, yeah. you know Josh Adam Myers. Josh Adam Myers. He's supposed uh. to be on too. He, I'm supposed to coordinate with him. Um, Mike Cannon. He's a New York City comic. He's supposed to be on soon. Okay. Um, and this other guy from L.A. Um, Steve Randolph, who's fucking hilarious. I used to go to meetings at the Comedy Store. Like, oh, they have be, meetings there. Every day, every day there's meetings really? at noon. Yeah, and I, I would. Mean, go I guess every... in that community they probably have a lot of. Dude, there's lot of, uh, there's okay. 300 meetings a week in LA County, um, and I used to go to the comedy store every Saturday at noon, and um, there'd be a bunch of comics that were like low level trying to make their way up, and they're an AA, and they go to those meetings, and I met wow. a bunch of cool comics going to that meeting. But I was going yeah. to West Hollywood meetings all the time. Um, that artist I met was in Venice. Is that where um, you were doing stand-up before in, in no, Hollywood? I wish, I wish bro. Yeah. I did stand-up in Philly. Um, I okay. started at Helium, um, yeah. and I bounced around a lot. There's a one in Chinatown called a Good Good Comedy Theater. Yeah. Um, yeah I, I would practice there. there. I would go there on Sundays. It was, it was really weird there because the stage goes down. Like, the audience is up here, kind of like Red Rocks, but in a really small room in Chinatown. <laughs> you know, the stage looks down on you. You know, the stage is at yeah. the bottom. You look down up at the crowd. That's interesting. I've had some weird fucking sets there because there's been times where I would go to pick up before I would go perform. I would need to get high to perform, obviously. Yeah. And where I wasn't getting high before I was performing some nights. And I would be withdrawn on stage. And it would turn into a three-minute meeting because I would get up there and be like, J.D., I'm an addict. Oh, shit, I'm at the wrong place. Oh, well. And then I'll start talking, and I would vent about my day, about how fucking strung out I was. Because really? none, of my, none of my friends or family were coming to see me. This was me yeah. just trying to grind it out and going to small. I was performing for other comedians that were waiting to get their turn. Sure, you know? Sure, yeah. <laughs> and their girlfriends. You know, I wasn't performing or boyfriends. I wasn't performing for a giant crowd when I was going there. And on Sundays, yeah. I would go there. And, yeah, they were rough nights. Thursdays were the big nights for me. 
Um, that was at the Comedy Zone in Harrisburg. That's where, um, you know, Shane Gillis, he's famous for that SNL thing yeah, where he got yeah, fired yeah. within two days. Um, he started out at the Comedy Zone in Harrisburg. Okay. So, right yeah, that he was a couple of years before me. Um, he was in Philly by the time I was in Harrisburg. But, Do you have a lot of experience doing that, like the the stand up? Or I, I mean, did it for I did I did it in Boston for a little bit when I lived up there in 2000. They got a good scene up there, right? Yeah, I was doing it at um the Improv, the uh, Boston Improv. That's where uh, Burr and uh, and Rogan used to. Uh, they that's came where up. they're from. They're from Boston. Yeah. yeah. The the Improv. Oh, it's Improv Olympics. It was actually Improv Comedy is what I got into first. I got into doing Improv. So and then, I'm curious about that. Do they? I hated I know, it. I know it's improv. You hated it. Really? Within one, I switched to stand up within one night. Well, and because the one guy said to me, "It's you not. You should try stand up instead. I think you'd be better at stand up." It's not it, like they're not exclusive. Like improv and stand up, like they're not. I thought they kind of teach them at the same time. It's like different. Like I guess. Um, uh, That's where I learned that I had a presence on stage. That's where I learned that I could talk on stage. Okay. You know, was I was doing all the like you know yes end and all those like fucking things that you do in improv. You know, where you try to keep the scene going. Like, I can keep the conversation going. Like, I'm a fucking sure, yeah. talker. Um, but then we practiced doing stand-up. And we just had to, like, wing it for three minutes. And I was making a bunch of people laugh. And the guy was like, you know, like, I was doing a bunch of physical stuff when I was doing improv. I was, like, trying to be like a Chris Farley. I was falling all over I the place. You. I was hurting myself. Like, yeah. I was really fucking high when I was doing this. <laughs> like, I was on – I can't even remember a lot of it because of Xanax. Um, but I was also on thirties at the time too. Yeah. Like, and I remember being ripped as shit each time I was on that stage. Um, yeah. and that's why I thought I had to have pills to perform. You associate that. Yeah. Yeah. That's why I don't, I no longer work in like, so I worked in restaurants and bars for 15 years and I will no longer work in a kitchen. I can't. Um, yeah. it's just for some reason, like, like I, I should even, I even tried like working in the kitchen like years ago when I was like starting to kind of like realize like I needed to get it together. And even then it was just like, it was just, I don't know, for some reason, like I just, I hate everything whenever I'm working in a kitchen and not even just in the kitchen. I mean, like even when I'm off of work too, like as yeah. long as I'm employed inside a kitchen, I'm like, nah. So I don't, I can't, I can just associate it for some, for whatever reason. Um, yeah. Speaking of speaking of kitchen and bars, let's get back to you close that door at oh, yeah, night, yeah. at four a.m. <laughs> Good thing yeah. I take notes. Four a.m. You're closing a random door in Philly. I take it you were in Philly. Yeah, so I live. I actually live. Uh, you're familiar with uh, Kensington Allegheny, the that uh, the open air drug market. It's mm-hmm. like literally like like five blocks that way. Yeah, and um, it's like right on the edge of that, right where uh. Ken, uh, Fishtown becomes Kensington, and okay. um, I was walking to the gas station to get jewel pods, and saw this guy's door open, so I yelled inside, and I shut the door, um, and that was that. And then 24 hours later, I'm at work, and I get a text message from my friend uh, Kristen. Um, she said, like, "Hey, she said, like, hey, is this you?" And it's uh, a screenshot of somebody's security camera in black and white. It was me, and I was like, the fuck? I'm like, because I totally forgot about closing that door. I just, I don't know, it was like a whatever kind of thing to me. And then, I was like, what the hell is this? Like, she's like, like apparently this guy is looking for you. I'm like, I, I'm like, I didn't like black out or something. Like, you know, I wasn't, I wasn't fucked up. 
like what what why is he looking for me and then she's like uh, no like apparently this 15 minutes before you close this guy's door this stray like malnourished dog walked into this house and the guy just they wound up keeping him and they wound up uh or her rather named Susie and then named after a Yankees announcer but um but yeah so the heat they kept the dog uh and um it was like it went viral on like Twitter on the dodo it was like 10 million views on the dodo Holy shit. Uh, yeah it was like it was kind of like it was crazy for a little bit because i've never been on the news like that um yeah in um, a good way yeah <laughs> in a good yeah. way too like that yeah. must have been a good feeling like oh yeah. my god I'm, I'm on the news and it's for good not for <laughs> yeah it's funny because like i had a, um it's I, you know i guess no matter what you do uh, i noticed something like if, if you can do something good and you can you can be one of those people who um who films it, you know, whether it's for yeah. views or not, whatever, you can film it, or it's just a thing you do, something's good. No matter what it is, somebody's going to say something negative about you, no matter what. Yeah. It's just going to happen. So yep. I had, like, even friends were like, oh, you know, it's just the door kind of thing. And, like, and then I actually had a couple friends that I had a falling out with because of this, but it, it was kind of unrelated to that. It was it it kind of, of like, yeah, it was, like, I guess, at the same time. And then I guess that they saw that and kind of like they, deflected off of that and then yeah so like uh um uh shell train of thought again sorry oh, no, no you're good no you're good so <laughs> so you're saying that you and your friends had some falling outs over it yes yeah, so, uh so um people like they'll, they'll have negative things to say and i'm thinking about this and i'm like these are my friends like they they should know where i come from you know what i mean and like for me it was like I guess this sums it up perfectly. It was the first time in my entire adult life that my mom had something to go to a neighbor about, like, and pretty much brag about me. Yeah. Every other time that she had to go to, that she had to like talk about me to a neighbor, it's like, why did the cops come and take Steve out? You know what I mean? So it was like, you know, it was a big deal for me. And, you know, it was like kind of like a culmination of a lot of like just me kind of. So I spent a lot of time just like literally, I stayed at my parents' house. Um, at the time that I got clean, uh, and I was just kind of like, you know, just kind of keeping to myself, trying to keep everything low key, stay out of like, you know, just any, any craziness. You know what I mean? I just, I love chaos for whatever reason. I'm just attracted to it. And, um, so I was keeping it low key. And then, uh, and it, after like, it was, this was a year after that. Um, so, and like, I was thinking about it beforehand too, like, like, of all the things uh, that you lose during uh, addiction, um, like the hardest one to get back is trust. Period. It's the hardest one to get back. So I was like, I'm thinking like, so I'm asking myself like, what, like, what do I have to do to get trust back? And can you, can I get it back? And it's like, I, I, I resigned to the idea that I may never get it completely back, but that shouldn't stop me from continuing to improve myself because like just the thought of even the slightest possibility of getting that back is enough to like, you know, keep me going. Cause I'm very, like, I have a very close family. Like, so I like, I'm lucky in that regard. Um, like I fucked over every single person in my family at least once. Um, some of them multiple times and some of them pretty bad. And, you know, like, 
I was homeless a few times uh, because my parents kicked me out. Um, and but yeah, they still kept like a little line there for me. You know what I mean? And whenever like shit really hit the fan for me, like they were there to like at least brace the fall. Um, so it was uh, it was um, I I, I want to say I want to say that my family my family had a lot to do with my recovery. I think because like you know I I I would not be here if they weren't around. Pretty much. Yeah. You know? And like yep. I thank them every day for that. Yeah. You know? Yeah, that's so, amazing. Yeah, and that's yeah. and that's what it's all about is having reasons to be in recovery and to be sober. Yeah. And the more you go thought. on, the more reasons you find. I feel yeah. like. Oh, you yeah. definitely will always get more, especially the older we get. We meet new people and we meet people yeah. with different values. Like we're not meet our friends today aren't people that we're getting high with. They're people we're trying to have a life right. and like friendship with and something with substance. You know what I mean? Yeah. Yeah, and where we're not trying to find ways to backstab them or, you know, what can we gain out of them, you know, yeah. and manipulate from them, you know, so I, that totally makes sense. Um, have you watched Dope Sick at all on Hulu? I've not, actually. Um, that's only the one about Michael Keaton, right? It's only triggered me once so far. Yeah? Yeah, there's only Is been, it it's really good. It's, it's based on, it's basically based on the documentary on HBO. It's a show, right? Not a movie. Yeah. Yeah, okay. it's a show. There's going to be, I think, eight or nine episodes. There's already four or five. Okay. Um, and there was a documentary on HBO called um, The Crime of the Century. And okay. it's all about how Purdue lied to the FDA and everybody else about how addictive Oxycontin was in 1996. So I have thoughts on that. Um, I don't know how you feel about the whole thing. I think that the government, um, they get a little bit too much of a pass. I think they, the FDA knows more than their. So they actually, if you watch that documentary, the FDA, yeah. um, the main person that was the person that was hired to look into their case, uh-huh. when they were evaluating OxyContin before they approved it, they were in a motel room for six days with three of the reps from fucking Purdue, helping him draft how he was going to approve it. No Shit. lie, that's and it's on record. Where Sackler himself, the main guy from Purdue that created OxyContin, was on record in court actually copping to it and being like, yeah, we did that. Because they gave the guy a fucking job making a quarter million dollars a year after that. And they admitted to all of it, and yet OxyContin still exists. It blows me the fuck away, to be honest with you. Yeah, There's a lot of things that the FDA approves uh, or pharmaceutical companies even manufacturers simply manufacturers that yeah. I, I just blow my mind like i don't know if you remember um fentanyl lollipops yep you remember them yeah what on earth was somebody thinking when they made a raspberry flavored lollipop with fentanyl in it if a and kid yet, found that it's over it's a yeah, rat it, 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 yet i can't get fucking edibles in pa with my cannabis yeah right like, like you know what i mean Are like you, that, man. yeah like, and uh, marijuana is still a schedule one substance yep and it's just like, I mean, I can go on forever about... Oh, and we like, can do multiple episodes about it. I have no problem. Like yeah. Like, yeah, like, I I think, uh, I believe, I think I think uh, the group you were mentioning earlier, I think... The hams. The, yeah, I think they might be in line with this. Um, I believe that, I believe that drugs should be legalized. I think that... Um, like what Peru is doing. Exactly. It's been killing exactly. for 20 Peru. years. Yeah. Yep. And like 2002, just, I think, is when they legalized all the drugs. Yeah, I think it yep. was 2000, and, almost 20 years. Yeah, and um, they had 
they had great results. Uh, and there's other countries too. I think Spain yeah. does it and Sweden. Sweden. I think it's Sweden. Yeah, yeah, yeah. It's one of those S's over there. Yeah. But um, per, it's Peru's um, you know, overdoses plummeted. Um, their crimes plummeted. All this shit started yeah. going way down. Craziest right. one, yeah. the, the all the stats about kids, kids, ki- the drug use in adolescence was like almost non-existent. It was because like it's point- not fun anymore. It's not illegal. That's the thing. It's like there's, <laughs> there's a, people when people say like when people see videos of Kensington and Allegheny, and they're like, oh, like why don't you just go lock them up, like you know, bash them over the head and throw, throw lock them away and throw away the key, whatever. Like it doesn't work like that. We've been in this war on drugs for what sixty years now. Yeah. Um, it's time to re- to like admit that it doesn't work and you have to think about it outside of the box and people like drugs. Uh, I don't know if you're familiar with Carl Hart. Uh, he's a, um, he is a professor at, uh, I want to say Columbia. He, um, he wrote a book. He actually, um, he is a, uh, he is a heroin user. Um, okay. but and he, he has he basically says that drugs are not the problem it's people people are the problem people have addiction addiction issues like 80% i think it's like even more than that i think it's like 90% of people um use like don't use drugs in an addictive way like they use them relatively recreationally yeah. yeah and um and i think that if you take away drugs like you tell people you can't do this it's like people think that's sexy people people love excitement they love that kind of shit it's just yeah. how it is and it's a human condition and i yeah. feel like if you just say like here like you know you use them responsibly but also you have to coupled with that you have to teach people the unbiased like this is truth. These are anecdotes. Like, you know, how you got to explain to somebody, like, I guess if, I, if you ask a hundred people on the street, if, uh, what combinations of drugs are bad, like nobody would know that you can't really mix I mean, You can, but it's really dangerous to mix amphetamines with opiates. Like nobody would know that. Like no. that's the kind of shit you got to teach kids. Like, you know, it's like drugs are they're here to stay. They're here to stay. And the only way to really, um, you can't get rid of them. You can only manage them. You can manage, like you, you manage the, all the information you give to people and hopefully they can make the right decision when it comes down to it. And if they do, maybe they do it safely. But like, if you don't, I can tell you, I can tell you why I think that is that not everybody gets addicted. And I have a theory on it that I know other people do too. And I think I've talked about it before, but like, I feel like, Somebody who used pills with me that never got addicted to them, right? Yeah. We were using pills differently. You know, we were using pills for a different reason. You okay. know, I wasn't trying to party with these pills. You know, I, mm. I was relying on them to live. I was relying on them to get through the day, to get out of my own head. You know, I needed yeah. them. You know, my, pills weren't my problem. They were the solution to all my problems. Yeah. So that's the difference. When I made pills the solution to all my problems, that meant if I had a good day, you celebrate it with getting high. You had a bad day, you go down, you yeah. get high. Someone upset you, you get high. Somebody says the wrong thing to you, you get high. Somebody says a word you don't like, you get high. You see a comment and a fucking Facebook post you don't like, you get high. You get high over anything to take yourself out of that. Then right. there's the people that will go to the party, do a couple lines of coke, be like, oh, I'm drinking, I'm partying, blah, blah, blah. 
and then go home. And then that's it. And they don't do coke again for another year. Yeah. You know, it's because they were doing it to just party that night as opposed right. to I was doing it Getting to escape. Like, yeah, I was exactly. trying to leave. I didn't want – I always say I didn't want, like – I never – like, I had suicidal ideations towards the end. You know, I lost a fiancé to suicide at one point. Um, and my childhood best friend. It sucks. Um, but, you know, it's life, man. And yeah. so, like, I, I was having those ideations towards the end of my addiction. Um, I was like, I'll just go into a fucking tree. No, everything is an accident. I'll wait till it's raining or some shit. <clears throat> my dog always talked me out of it, honestly. It was always, like, me thinking of my dog by herself that, like, saved me from doing that shit. Yeah. And um, so, uh, where was now I lost my train of thought. So... Yeah, thinking of that. Yeah, like, you have ADHD always... too, <laughs> yeah. I guess. Yeah. yeah, I don't even know if I have it, but like I'm like 99.99. I was I was at the I hospital have. this morning with my wife all morning. So like we were at the hospital all morning, and then we were at the lawyers today afterwards. Like it's been such a long. I've been up since three, so like that's why too. Um, yeah, yeah, yeah. But yeah, those suicide ideations they came in because of like the pills weren't working anymore, and it, I didn't want to die. I just didn't want to be conscious anymore. It's you funny know. how like, like some some addicts have like this this innate like um, survivor instinct. It's like I don't know what it. I, I don't. I think maybe. Are you free in a half good. hour? Are you free in a half hour to pick this back up? Because like our conversation, yeah, our yeah. conversation's going really good, and I don't want to like have this be yeah. just the episode because I'm having fun talking to you. But I can pause it and then you know download this part, go get my kid, drop him off, and I'll be okay. back in my studio within 25 minutes, half an hour. And okay. we can wrap this up from there because, like, I want to keep talking to you about what we're talking about. Yeah. But I don't I don't want to F the episode right here because we're having a good episode. Cool. So. All right. Yeah, sounds good. All right. I'll text you back in a little bit. All right, man. All right. Thanks, man. You're, you're- All right.